0: Welcome, friends. It's 40 Days to PMP Exam Success, Day 40. You've been on this journey for quite a while. I know some of you just joined in the middle, but I'd like to say welcome to you on the 40 Days to PMP Exam Success program. This is a program I put together to help project managers who are busy, who are not able to establish a cadence and a rhythm in their studying. So about 10, 11 years ago, I started playing around with the idea of putting together an email sequence for students. So it started off with an email sequence that would remind you every day for 40 days. And you could subscribe to the sequence and it would send you day one and day two and day three. And it wasn't really visible on YouTube. But as time went on, I began to realize to impact more people and to help more people, I should probably make it public and put it out on YouTube and help anyone who cared to join. So from just having unlisted videos in an email, I made it available to everyone around 2016, 2017. And uh, it's really helped a lot of people establish cadence and rhythm. And if you're one of those individuals who has been on the program and you found it to be useful and it helped you succeed, I want you to put a comment in the chat below when this video is finally up on YouTube. But again, welcome, welcome. So what do we have to talk about today? Well, let's jump straight into the content and talk about what our journey will be like today. Again, my name is Phil, I got certified in 05. And since I got certified, I've been helping scores of individuals, thousands of project managers across the world in different organizations, such as those you see on the screen. For those of you who are used to our meetings today, I'll just ask that we be in silent mode, classroom mode, but you can always chat in. And as we get towards the end, I will take questions. So again, the purpose of 40 Days to PMP Exam Success was to help students in need, students who had a time crunch or a time factor, and they needed to be on that TikTok rhythm, just going, going. And I found out that without reminders, such as these videos, it was hard. Also, ease of access. So a lot of times we're out and about and we realize, oh, I could actually be studying now. Well, it's easy. Just go to the channel and begin to watch the sequence that I've got and it will help you stay on track. The PMP exam has a ton of content. It has the Agile Practice Guide, the Sixth Edition, the Scrum Guide. You got a handout in some courses, and then you've got our PMP Audio Digest, the PM Audio Digest, and the Learning System. So there's a lot of content for you to absorb, but Roy and I very recently put together this book called PMP Exam Immersion, And the 40-day curriculum is actually based on the PMP exam immersion book. The book is available on our website, on praiseon.com, also available on Amazon. So if you're finding it hard, getting into a rhythm, getting into the routine, the regimen of studying, what I ask you to do, follow the curriculum. It's free, one chapter a day. So you do chapters 1 to 35, which maps back to the 35 tasks in the PMP exam content outline. Uh, Some people accelerate. This curriculum. Some people put in two videos a day. But whatever you do, put in the time. And then at the end of 35 days, you'll be done with everything. I mean, every single thing that the PMI needs you to know, because it's broken down by tasks and enablers. When that is done, you then have another five days. The first of those five days is people. The second is process. The third is business. You've got a final day of revision. And then today which is the mock exam. So for those of you that have not taken the mock exam, those of you who are not on any of our programs or ever been on any of our programs, you can get access to that mock exam right now. Just go on down to mock.hpmexam.com. That's where you can get the final mock. For those of you who are students, you've already got access to this, so no action needed. But for those of you that are not, you've never been on our learning system, you're not on our learning system, This is the mock exam that I would recommend that you take. So let's warm up. Let's get our brains warmed with a little bit of trivia. How much agile and hybrid project management does PMI say is on the PMP exam? What do you think? Go ahead and take this quick poll. 20 seconds. Very well done, seems like you've done some research. That's very correct. The PMI does indeed, I'll go ahead and end the poll. The PMI does indeed say it's 50%, that's what they say. All right, let's move forward and ask a different question. How much agile and hybrid project management do students, now talking about students now, okay? And you gotta weigh which students because We have different students who say different things, but on average, what is the average consensus based on what you've heard? All right, thank you very much for that. So the general consensus is that the exam has more than what PMI lets on, but we have a few outliers. So we've had students that said the exam was 70%, which will be in that range. I had a student last year that said the exam, uh, the Agile on the exam, Uh, was just 10%. And I've had others that said it was indeed 50-50. So it really depends on how much you've heard. But the general consensus is that it is more than 50%. That is not to say your exam will be like that. Some people have actually said it was a lot less than 50%. So as a result of that, you do need to know a bit about Agile. When I say a bit, I mean quite a bit about Agile. And that's why I recommend to you, if you have not started off by understanding Agile, understanding the Agile Manifesto, understanding the values and the principles, you should. And if you didn't start off by understanding page 14 of the Agile Practice Guide, you should. you got to really understand the Stacy model and what it means, what it represents. I mean, like on a deeper level. So if you've not gone deep into understanding the Stacey model and its relevance in knowing when to use agile, knowing when to be uh, predictive and knowing what could be on a continuum of possibilities, you should read page 14 and look for some of my videos on the Prazeon channel because that will help you, okay? Now, I think we've already made a case for agile. Let's also make a case for understanding the knowledge area. So if you have not understood the process groups, of initiating to closing really deep, you should. And if you haven't spent time knowing the knowledge areas and understanding this project management speak, you should. Again, very important. In fact, very recently, towards the end of day 39, I came out with 10 new videos to help you understand each one of these knowledge areas in more depth. So please watch those videos if you haven't done that already. Okay. So we've established a case for Agile and Predictive. The next thing I want to alert you to is Scrum. And Scrum is a framework. Agile is a mindset. Scrum is a framework which embodies the Agile manifesto values and principles. But it's a framework. For your exam, it is very important that you understand the flow of things in Agile. And therefore, using Scrum as an example, I would recommend that you understand the flow The product backlog, the sprint backlog, the PSI, and all the other components will help you put all that you're learning in Agile into a coherent framework. I would recommend that. Now, if you're still struggling after going through training and coaching, you need to go on down to hpmexam.com where you can take a half day bootcamp, four hours, just four hours. You come away with a huge amount of understanding that will catapult you to success on the exam. It's been proven time and time again from our students. So today, being the final revision, you got to tie up loose ends. This is where you put on, you know, the big boy pants or the big girl pants, and you say, I'm ready to face the monster. Final, the final, the grand finale, you know. And you, you get ready to go into it because it's like a battle, I tell you. All right. So watch videos where you're weak. Follow the 40-day plan and then rinse and repeat, depending on how much time you've got for your PMP. But I wanna recommend to you that you plug into your network, like in our network at Praiseum, we have daily scrums. Even if you're the only person to show up for the daily scrum, show up, show up and go, right? If you need help, ask me for help. Put it below this video send an email, do something. You don't drown alone. That's really what my mantra is. I don't care whether you went for training on Mars. I'm here to help. And I need you to communicate where you're stuck. You know why? Because the likelihood is I've already answered that same question you had in the over 2000 videos on the channel. All right. So watch my knowledge area series and ask questions. And then when you're ready, when you feel like you're bulletproof, I want you to go take that mock exam on the screen, all right, for the price of a few happy meals, all right? All right. Let's talk about the elephant in the room, situational questions, and how to answer them. A lot of times people tell me, Phil, I went into the exam and I was expecting to see this and I was expecting to see that and I wasn't able to see it. I wanna recommend to you that don't have any preconceived ideas about what to find on the exam. By virtue of ITTOs, you're likely to not have a whole bunch of questions that mention the ITTOs verbatim. Instead, they take the processes, the ITTOs, that language, and they cloak it with verbose, heavy language. And you need to understand what exactly they're saying in these situational questions. The situational questions, just to give you the length of the questions right up front, I want to give you an idea of the length. Because a lot of times I hear people saying, wow, the questions were longer than I thought. Let me make it perfectly clear. This is what you can expect as far as question length. Now, I'm not showing you this for us to take a poll. I'm showing this to you just for you to take a look at the enormity. And for you to begin thinking, how am I going to navigate a question this long? You've got to get really good with reading fast, and you got to get good with cutting out crud and stuff that may not be relevant, and pinpointing what is most relevant to the question, okay? Let me show you another example.
1: Here's another example. You see the enormity?
0: Don't go into the exam thinking that it's going to be so much better. And the reason why I'm telling you this is I've heard so many things over the past couple of years that PMI changed the exam to be supposedly a 50-50 toss-up of agile and hybrid versus predictive. I've heard all sorts of things. I've heard people say my exam was just two or three lines long. And I've heard people say it was almost like writing a book. So you going into the exam, I want you to be ready to slay the beast. I want you to be in the right mindset for you to do this, okay? So my advice to you is don't look out for simple, straightforward, short questions. No, it could be a lot longer, all right? Now, moving forward, the next thing I want to alert you to is days 36, 37, and 38 had three milestones that you are meant to use as a gauge for your readiness and close the gaps accordingly, okay? The milestones were as follows. The people mock exam of 30 questions. If you have the immersion book, these are the same ones at the back of the immersion book, but then we've sprinkled some other stuff into it. So if you've got the immersion book, just take what's at the back for people process business, all right? So we have the people mock exam, the process mock exam and the business mock exam. And these are all benchmarks to show you how well you're doing. Again, if you're our students, you got the book, it's at the back of the book. If you're on the learning system, you've also got those exams on the learning system. If you're not on our learning system, these are available to you, very low cost, okay? Each time you take one of these mocks, the questions will change slightly. And that is just to keep you on your toes and to make sure you're really focusing on your weak spots. Some questions may seem very similar, but they would be different. So let's talk about the exam to get you into the right mind space. PMP examination. Can you chat into me? Are you taking it at home or are you taking it in a test center? If you're taking the exam at home, I don't mean to be negative here, but you got to be ready to face the flying monkeys because they could come out. And I've had a number of students that started the exam at home and did not complete the exam because there was a technical failure or the proctor said they moved out of frame. They stopped the exam. They had to go through the blood, sweat and tears of PMI reviewing their case and coming back to them and saying, okay, you can take it, but you gotta pay more. Or sometimes they would waive the fee depending on the situation. It could be a lot of pain taking it at home. I had one student that had to take the exam three times. She tried it at home twice, was not able to. First of all, there was a technical issue. The second time it was her moving out of frame or something like that. She eventually went to a test center. She's now been certified for a bit now. So you gotta decide. Am I going to take it at home? Go to a test center. My advice to you as a friend would be to go to a test center. Go to a test center. So not sure what you have planned, but um, okay, I see those chats. Good deal. Good deal, my friends. Good deal. Okay. Test center is the way to go. I see that Efrain and Anifame and Yvonne and Sumi. I see that. I see that. Thanks for those chats. Good stuff. So your exam is going to be 230 minutes, which is just a little bit under four hours, 10 minutes under four hours. You got 180 questions, but only 175 count. Don't listen to people out there telling you the exam passing score. Nobody knows about the PMI, okay? And this has been for the past 10 to 15 years. It hasn't been public what the passing score is. So anyone telling you that they know it, they're going off all gas. So Just don't listen to that. What you need to focus on is doing the very best you can. If I were you, I would aim for above target in every domain. That's the mindset. Okay, the questions, again, are very situational. And PMI also evaluates proficiencies across people, process, and business. All right, so how many questions are there on the exam? It's one of these warm-up questions. Make sure you can use the buttons because I'm about to give you some hotter questions just to get us a little bit below or I should say above the room temperature. All right. Awesome. Thank you. Let's go ahead and end the poll. Those of you who voted are very correct. There are indeed 180 questions on the exam. All right. Now the exam, of course, people process business. You already know this pie chart. Process is big, which is why I recommend really honing it, honing in on it but what exactly could be in process? Let's take a look at this map of what you could face. So the exam situations, there could be a number of things, but when you boil it all down, based on what I have heard from students, people process business is at the base, but on top of that could be a number of situations. You could have conflict situations, and those are tackled in resources, communications, and stakeholder, Mostly. Okay. We have risk situations. And here you need to understand the A team and the easy. You know, these are the five strategies for negative risks or positive risks. And those could cut across everything, even integration, right? Impediments could cut across every area. But you got to use your network of influence, you got to use servant leadership and collaboration. You could have issues. Again, it could cut across any knowledge area. This is how you need to think. Don't just think scope or schedule. You could have a question that combines issues or you could have a question that combines issues and risks. So you could have a risk became an issue and then it's tied to a resource knowledge area. So you've got to be able to think on your feet and ready to face whatever they throw at you, they will throw a lot of this stuff at you. Then we have legal or regulatory. So you gotta understand the charter, you gotta understand that there should be a plan for compliance, know when to seek legal counsel, and these could cut across scope, schedule, cost, in fact, almost every area. You could even have the question pertaining to the charter. In that regard, you would have to think about integration. So I hope you're getting the idea, this is not to be an exhaustive list, but it's really just to get your mind working in the right direction. And as a result of conflict and risk and all of these things, there could also be a layer of change on top of it, like change requests and change management. So you've got to always do that impact analysis, corrective action, preventive action, defect repair or updates could also be discussed here, okay? I know the question most people ask is, uh, Phil, I would like to document this, and I I don't want to keep taking screenshots. That is not a problem. What I'm going to do is when this goes up, I will make sure I put some of the slides at a link. For those of you who have joined, just look in the chat, and I just called it 40 Days to PMP Exam Success. Download it, and in that way, you don't have to keep taking screenshots. All right? Situational questions are going to pan across these areas I've shown you, and there could be more. If there are problems and issues, as you might have seen in the table, think about the dig approach. You've got to define the problem, identify the root cause, generate alternatives, choose the best alternative, implement that alternative, and verify that your solution worked. This is huge for problem solving, okay? Define the problem. If you get a problem on the exam, don't tackle it without defining what it is. And then see if you can identify the root cause, what is causing the problem. And then generate alternatives in your head, take a look at the alternatives in the options, and then choose the best one. Those four steps will get you really far on a number of questions. When you choose the alternative, just remember, choose one that moves the project forward. That's how you need to be thinking. In addition to this, be aware that the problems you face on the exam will fall into one of these buckets. It's either going to be a planning problem, a doing problem, a checking problem, or an acting problem. Sometimes they could throw in closing the project and you're not able to close, but then it's usually tied back to something else. So this is how you need to be thinking. This is how you'll get your arms around the content it's gonna fall into one of these buckets. It's either you need to define a problem, identify the root cause, generate alternatives. Most of the questions are gonna be generate and choose the best alternative, or from a lineup, what is the best alternative? Okay, that's how your exam's gonna be. All right, moving forward, cause I really wanna build on your understanding of the exam possibilities. When you have change questions, you gotta follow the change process. So you don't approve a change request without doing an impact analysis. In fact, you go through the change control board after you've done your impact analysis, but then you also should make sure it is documented. Okay, So there's a sequence that we go through about how to ask for a change in formal writing, log it in the change log, do your impact analysis, send it over to the change control board for them to make their analysis, And then they decide from there what should happen. And if it's approved, you got to log it in a change log. If it's rejected, it's also logged in a change log by someone on the CCB. And ultimately that change request, if it's approved, it needs to be executed. So you you need to go back to directing and managing the project work and execute it. And the area of risk, follow the seven steps in a PMBOK guide, the seven processes. You got to know those. If it's issues, follow the DIGCIV approach I showed you. Uh, When it comes to solutions, solve the real problem. So there's a stakeholder that has an issue. What should you do? A, coach the team. B, solve the problem. Even though coaching the team is not a bad thing, you got to solve the problem first. So you're going to get a lot of those. What is the first thing to do? The next thing to do? And I'm going to talk about that later on. Also, when you get problems, you got to follow the DIG CIV approach. PMP exam situational questions, you could also look at these as cutting across initiating. And then you could have charter issues, stakeholder issues, or planning, comprehension issues, not understanding the full picture or running into problems, even when planning, like having two people that are not on the same page, maybe it's a customer or stakeholder, they're not on the same page. So you got to solve the real problems there. When it comes to executing, it could be a problem of accuracy, could be a problem of processes, procedures, deliverable defects. When it comes to monitoring and controlling, you gotta remember the drew, the corrective action, preventive action, defect repair and updates. It could also be problems surrounding results and reports. And in closing, you always wanna follow the DIG-CIV approach. So let's talk about the what should you do next. What should you do next following a project problem that has been described? All right? You've got to solve it of course. What should you do next following a project management process? This is not a problem now. PMI gives you a scenario. They tell you what you're doing. They ask you, what should you do next? You're gonna get those. Or they tell you, this is the benefit of doing this thing. What should you do next? Or a project management artifact is described what do you do after getting that artifact or what do you do with the artifact maybe they describe a method or a model or they describe a scenario it's all that what do you do next maybe they've described an outcome a project outcome has been described if it's a less than ideal outcome what are you going to do you know this will challenge your loyalty to the agile manifesto It will challenge your loyalty to what I described as the PMP mindset mantras. And you can find my video on the 36 mindset mantras on YouTube. All of that stuff is going to be tested. Maybe stakeholder behavior is less than ideal. It's described or a defect is described or a needed change is described. What do you do next? What about if there's needed management intervention? You need to know when to bring management in, like anything affecting the overall project goals and strategy and objectives of the entire project. That is not something the PM can handle alone, right? When there's needed action based on the current circumstance, maybe there's success or achievement. Will you reward the team or will you reward an individual, right? Maybe conflict has been described. What will you do next? Now, let's go through some examples because I really want us to sink our teeth into this. So let's talk about some situational questions. And I want to hone in on a few. You might have seen them before. Just go ahead and answer the best you can. But we're going to try to unearth the essence of the exam a little bit more. So here's a question. And here is the poll,
1: and I'm going to give you a minute, and just choose the answer
2: when you're ready.
0: All right. Thank you, my friends. Very, very good. Good attempt. Awesome. So let's go ahead and end the poll and let's share the results. So there's a couple of things here, right? Begin a critical project, right? The sponsor has a job to create the business case. So as far as the feasibility of the project, that should already have been addressed. So it wouldn't be B. It would also be a bit too early to draft a project schedule. A project schedule is done later on, so it wouldn't be option B. Meeting with all the divisions should have already been done. And asking the sponsor how the project will be funded undermines the sponsor's intelligence. It's also not your place. That's not your business. Your business is to run the project with the resources given to you. So the best answer, as many of you have selected, is indeed C. And just be aware that before you go off and do the charter, you should spend time getting some initial requirements, whatever that might look like. And that's why C is the best option, okay? So the first steps in initiating a project are to understand the goal, the requirements, and to create a charter. So very well done, my friends. This is exactly how you need to be thinking on the exam. But just be aware that this length is shorter than what a lot of the questions will present. Let's move on to our next question. A project manager prepares the charter for a project that aims to automate 20% of product testing. I'll let you read it. I'll go ahead and launch the poll in a
1: second. All right, my friends,
0: thank you very much. And this could be expected. Questions of this nature are commonplace on the exam. Uh, This long and this
1: abstract. 10 more seconds. Okay, let's go ahead and let's end
0: the poll. Okay, now let's take a look at what the underlying problem is. So think about it, you're a project manager, you're preparing a charter, there's a definition of what exactly is happening, you're trying to automate 20% of product testing. In other words, the testing will be automated, and the individuals involved in this department, if you read the question, they think that the project is going to take their jobs away. Okay. So you as the project manager, what should you do? how do you get buy-in? How do you get them to warm up to the project? Common sense tells me that on a lot of AI-related projects, people are often suspicious that their jobs will be replaced. And in all fairness, in some instances, their jobs are. But in a lot of cases, it just makes a job easier, right? So in this case... What you should do as a project manager is work with a department manager, because they're uncooperative right now. What could you do to get them to be more cooperative? because their beliefs about the project is, is going to downsize. You as the project manager need to assure them that this project is really going to help them. So how do you do that? Nobody chose A, and it's not the right answer, so that's good. It. Is, not give a very good option. So asking the sponsor, okay, tell me why we're doing this. It's obviously not your place as a project manager. Option B, raise the risk that the senior testing engineers will be unavailable. Think about it.
1: What good does that do?
2: Think about it. There's a risk
0: that the senior engineers are not going to be available. Okay, but you were just told by the sponsor to do something. What will move you closer to doing that thing is the question. Because sponsor says, I advise you to assign senior test engineers to identify the tests that can be automated. You need them to come aboard and help you because there's no way you could do this without them. So saying, "Uh uh-oh, there's a risk that these people may not be available doesn't solve the problem. So the answer is actually not B. Let's take a look at option C. Provide objective cost benefit evidence of test automation to the test department manager. It's like saying, um, well, here's the evidence that this is actually going to benefit the company because a lot of people are gonna lose their jobs. No, that will only make him the more suspicious. Aha, I knew it. It's because you wanna get rid of a bunch of heads and replace us with AI. So providing objective cost benefit evidence does not solve the problem of them believing that they are gonna be downsized. It is not, and that's not even the problem. The department managers on corporation is not because of cost-benefit analysis or proof that it's going to benefit the company. They think, oh, we're going to lose our jobs. Of course, it will benefit the company. You get the rationale and the logic here. So the answer that the PMI actually provides, because I know lots of you have probably figured out, oh, it's one of those PMI questions. Yes, this is directly from our friends at headquarters. But... The PMI marked it as D and said, the first thing the PM needs to do is make sure the project goals. So where are the project goals? They're in some statement of work or in some charter They're somewhere, right? And you need to ensure that the project goals are clearly understood by the stakeholders. So the best answer to this is, D. I know it's kind of tricky. Nobody chose D, just to show you how controversial it is. But I'm telling you, the exam poses similar levels of difficulty and thinking. Not all across, but to a considerable amount. But trust me, you got to trust me on what I'm saying. Thousands of people have gone through the PMP exam. This version and I can assure you that if there was anything wonky or off, the PMI would know and they would fix it. So you've got to trust the process. Going in, hey, hey, going in. You need to understand that your level of intelligence and tolerance for ambiguity is right up there with anyone who has been approved to take the exam by the PMI. So the fact that the PMI says, all right, you're good to go. Trust me, you can do it. So I don't want you getting bent out of shape about these questions and start doubting yourself. No, that's not the the purpose. The purpose is to give you laser focus so that when you read through these questions, you'll be able to see some of the smoke and mirrors. But let's take a look at that question one more time. I want you to observe that... The only one that really solves the problem best is D. A, doesn't solve the problem. B, you could document a risk, but what did you as the project manager do to counteract it, you see? You gotta go with what moves the project forward. And A, B, and C don't. All right, let's go into planning because we've looked at initiating. This is planning. Again, we'll take a look at a question. A project manager in a global organization is responsible for a project involving six different companies. And I didn't mean to show you the answer, but it's showing you the answer. But let's use it as a learning moment. Maybe it was too hard. (laughs) Let's see. Midway through the project, one stakeholder's involvement is lessened due to illness. What should the project manager update? Now, seeing the stakeholder register there is tempting but you don't need to do anything with a stakeholder register. Why is that? Well, you don't need to do anything with a stakeholder register because that individual has not left the project. That individual is still on the project. The only thing that has happened is this stakeholder may not be as engaged. So their engagement will be lessened. And that's why the answer is D, okay? Now, let's take a look at what PMI says. The stakeholder engagement plan is updated to reflect any processes, procedures, tools, or techniques that affect the engagement of stakeholders in project decisions and execution. This is my commentary in blue. Since the stakeholders have already been defined, identified, there's no need to update the stakeholder register. What needs to be done is adjust the engagement level of this particular stakeholder whose involvement has lessened. All right. So you got that one free, let's go to execute in. And this is free as well. What's wrong with Phil today? I'm showing you all the answers. Let's take a look, it could be a nice learning moment as well, but I'll make sure the next one does not show you the answer. During a project's development stage, a functional manager is transferred to another department and is no longer involved in the project. What should the project manager do first? Again, this is one about the stakeholder register versus plan. So if this stakeholder has been transferred to another department and is no longer involved, then it would make sense for you to update the stakeholder register. Just take them out of the register. They're no longer a stakeholder. All right. So you got two free. Let's take a look at another one here. Let's hope the answer doesn't pop up this time. All right. A team member informs the project manager that the task deadline will be unmet because inputs required from another team member have not been received, what should the project manager do? I will launch the poll in a few moments.
1: All right, well, thank you very much, my friends. We've got a few more seconds. All right, three, two,
0: and one. Well, let's go ahead and let's end the poll and I'll share the results. Be aware that this is anonymous, so even I have no idea who voted what, just keep that in mind. All right those are the results. Well done. Now let's take a look. Some options are not in the spirit of PMI's servant leadership. So some of those that sound a bit draconian, you got to be aware of them. So nobody chose option C, thank goodness, because it says arrange for disciplinary inquiry. You wouldn't do that, right? That's not the way PMI rolls. So anything that says discipline the team member, A lot of times that's extreme. And those aren't the options that PMI is looking for on the exam. D says, log this non-compliance. that's a rather big word, right, as an issue and remove the team member from the project. Again, it's not in the spirit of the exam, right? You don't disown a child for being disobedient. Just remember that. You don't disown the team member. It's that same mindset, right? But let's take a look at, at A. Ask the team member responsible for those inputs to comply. That's a strong word. And that word, in the context of the PMP exam, I want you to be aware, it is not the best of words to use or to choose. But how does it move it forward using force or using a threat? It's never the best option on the PMP exam. Instead, you want to use servant leadership, some coaching, some mentoring, some servant leadership to assist. So the best option in this case, my friends, is actually B. And the PMI says, meet with a team to discuss the team member's constraints and determine if they require assistance with meeting the task deadline. That is in the spirit of the PMP exam. All right, so PMI give this as an explanation. The project manager's goal at this point is to make sure the task gets completed. The project manager needs to understand what is constraining the resource and to provide assistance where possible. So just be aware. I know some of us are from companies where A would be what is done, but on the PMP exam, that would not be the best of options. Let's take a look at another question. A customer continually submits new feature requests for an existing product. A project manager just communicated the completed scope definition for the product's next version released to stakeholders. What should the project manager do next? Let's go ahead
2: and launch the poll. Well done, my friends. We got about ten seconds left. All right, three,
1: two,
0: and one. Okay. Thank you very much for participating. Let's go ahead and end the poll. And I'll share the results again. It's all anonymous. Okay, here we go. So when you tackle a question like this, you've got to understand the timeline. So what has already been done? You got to read each word carefully. Now, truth be told, this question threw me off. And the reason why it did is I heard a word in my head that wasn't said. And that word was scope. So, I read it as, meet with the stakeholders to align scope expectations. No, that's not what it said. A just says, meet with the stakeholders to align expectations. Hey, that's been done in initiating. Expectations on the project they have already been done. So, it's not A. Okay, you got to make sure as you read every word, It is exactly what was said. And that's how this question gave me a kick into the following week, because I read it wrong. I'm not sure if you read it wrong. You might have. But when you say expectations, it's talking about the beginning. That's what you do in the beginning. And even if you misread it, you should kind of read it like it's an existing product. It's already existing. And then it says... The project manager just communicated just communicated the completed scope definition. Hey, there's really no problem with the expectations here. That should have already been aligned. So it says a customer continually submits new feature requests. Is that a bad
1: thing? Think about it. it's normal. It's an existing product.
0: And then it says, just communicated the definition for the product's next version released. There's nothing wrong here. It's a product that exists and you can keep asking for new features. That's what happens in Agile, isn't it? Every sprint We're gonna work on something, right? So it could be a new feature set. So actually there's nothing wrong with what the customer's doing. It didn't say, and this is how I read it, truth be told. I read it as a customer continually submits the same request. It's how they trick you, but they didn't say that. New feature request is okay, all right? So A is not correct immediately define project boundaries that is not right because that should have already been done so the answer is not c either and the answer is not d meet with the product manager to ask that the number of new requests be reduced that's draconian so it's not this it's not that it's like reduce the number of new requests they ask him for too many things No, that's not in the spirit of agile either so the best answer here, my friends, is given by PMI, is B. The scope management plan documents how the pro- project and product scope will be defined, validated, and controlled. The key benefit of this document is that it provides guidance and direction on how scope will be managed throughout the project. This may come across as a trick question, but on second look, examine what has just been communicated, the completed scope definition. So the best thing to do here is not what should have been done in the beginning, which is defining project boundaries. Asking for the number of change requests to be reduced is not realistic either on the project. Meeting with stakeholders to align expectations should have been done in the very beginning. So assuming all that should have been done was done, the best thing to do is to have reviewed the scope management plan as part of this particular process. Sometimes you have to think for the question, to make sense. Always think, what will best solve this problem? You can even ask, what really is the problem? So the question is highly suggestive, suggesting that there is a problem, but is there really a problem or should you just follow what makes sense? And this is one of these questions where you should just follow what makes sense. Again, another classic from our friends at headquarters. All right, let's move on to a question from monitoring and controlling if we're able. So monitoring and controlling. Let me see if I can find a good question without spilling the beans. All right, here is one that is fair game. Not everybody gets questions of this nature, but it's fair game. On your project report, AC is this, EV is this, PV is this. What does this mean? What do you think? Let's go ahead and launch the poll.
2: All right, roughly 10 seconds.
1: All right, my
0: friends, we've got to go ahead and end it so that I've got some time to talk to you if you've got any questions once we get completely done with the session. So let's go ahead and submit our responses. All right, three, two, one, and let's end the poll. So. The answer to this question can be gleaned from the understanding of what the metrics actually tell you. Actual cost tells you how much you've spent for the work done. Earned value tells you how much work you accomplished. So let's put a few labels on this, right? Actual cost,
1: how much you spent.
2: Earned value, how much was accomplished? And planned
1: value, how much was planned for that time period? Okay? So let's logically run through this. You are a manufacturer, and you're manufacturing some deliverable.
0: You spent $500 for that deliverable to be produced. The deliverable that you produce is worth $600, but you only spent $500. Think about that. That's actually not bad. So in terms of cost, you have no problem. So it cannot be B. In fact, you spend less than you should have. So it's not B. You actually spend less, which is good cost performance. So C says you spent exactly as planned. That's not true. You spend less. So we can cancel those. Let's take a look at the schedule perspective. So you planned to get $800 worth of product completed within a time box, but you only got $600 worth of that product completed. Is that good? Of course it's not. You plan to get 800 done, you only got 600, you're behind schedule. So you're not faster than expected. There are obviously delays, there were delays. So the best answer, my friends, is option D. And this is how you need to think through the content. There were delays. So you really need to know what ACEV and PV are. On the exam, it's been heard over and over again that there are questions of this nature. Here's our final one for the day. It's closing. A project is completed and closeout activities are underway. The project manager discovers that a team member is performing operations activities unrelated to the project scope, but necessary for regular operations. Since the final deliverables must be handed over to operations, what should the project manager do? Let's go ahead and launch the poll.
2: And I'll give you a chance to think.
1: I've been giving you the standard one minute, 15 seconds from PMI. All
2: right. Let's go ahead and end the poll and review the results.
1: All right. So
0: think about it there are certain things that you cannot do as a project manager. So temporarily transferring the team member to operations, you as a project manager, you actually cannot do that. So option B is not a plausible option. You cannot do that, it's not within your power. And then it says, Ask the team member to assist in completing the operations work and close the project. So asking the team member to do this, or asking the team, I beg your pardon, is is also not a good choice because these people work on the project. They don't work for operations. So where is that time going to be charged to? So it's not A. Training a resource from operations to perform the activities. Again, it said, what should the project manager do? This is about what you can do. Again, you cannot do C. That is not within your jurisdiction. So the answer that the PMI give to this is D. There has to be some change, okay? And i say it's a good example of a badly written question this was my commentary on this when i first of all read it i said it may be construed as unfair but the trickery here is that the project manager does not have the power to transfer a team member to operations also the team should not be completing operations work on project time the same for option c these activities are not directly under the project right now so the best option is to issue a change request to accommodate these unique needs and considerations. So PMI say, these activities are necessary for the operational use of the product. This is additional scope. A change control order needs to be submitted. So I hope this gave you some ideas of what you could face on your PMP exam. If you have any questions whatsoever, make sure you send them to us, info.praiseon.com. But right now, I'd like to take any questions that exist. Okay? So again, on the PMP exam, just be ready to face what you've got. The PMI, they're not as generous to give you what you think are the best options. You really need to work for each question, but you need to be quick. And that's why I chose some of the most controversial ones to show you today because that is the reality on the exam. The exam questions are not gonna be easy to read and a number of them really require you to think, which is why I'm exposing you to the worst of the worst, which indeed is actually the best for you right now. All right, so are there any questions, comments or concerns?